What is up? What is good? How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E, man with the E-A-G-L-E-S, news with the T-I-I-N-G-B-E-R, guy, David. We're recording a different podcast and suddenly I look at my phone and Carson Wentz has been traded. I thought he couldn't be traded. He was making too much money, but now he's playing for the Colts. Oh, you can't trade him. He's making too much. See ya. Goodbye. David Ingber, we had to stop down, start a new podcast, breaking news, Carson Wentz to the Colts. Let me give some details. Should have already asked you to talk, but not right now. 2021, next year's draft. Wait a second. This year's draft, third round pick. What do you get next year? A second round pick that can turn into a first if he plays 75% of the snaps. If he plays 70% of the snaps and he makes the playoffs, it is a first round pick. He is being paid that much money. They're not going to be playing Jacob Eason or Jacoby Brissett. I would say it is a left go lead pipe lock that Carson Wentz plays that unless, of course, he gets hurt and then... It's just a second-round pick. So let's say it's a first-round pick and a third-round pick for Carson Wentz, and they get rid of the salary. As a non-Eagles fan slash Eagles fan, uh, did you think they got enough? I'm still processing it. What do you think of the move? I'm still processing it, and with a lot of these trades, we've talked about it before, it's very easy to just knee-jerk say, like, they didn't get enough for Khalil Mack, and then three, four years later, you're like, they actually got a pretty good haul for Khalil Mack, you know? Uh, so it all just depends mm-hmm. on how the picks work out. I know that's a really boring, not hot-takey answer, but if they end up getting a couple of studs in the first and third round, then they say, like, hey, that was great. Wish you well, Carson Wentz. Everyone is looking likely at the Jared Goff uh, trade. Jared Goff, same draft as Carson Wentz, traded 19 days before yeah. Carson Wentz, which is insane. Uh, Jared Goff went for Stafford. I think it was three first, right? Uh, but it, the big, I mean, a first and a third for Carson and getting rid of his salary. Uh, I personally am I'm okay with it. I will say this. All right, let me let me just I'm gonna be very honest today, Ingber. As we get ready, we're gonna have Chase Daniel as a guest later. He talked a little bit about Carson Wentz. He talked about Matt Stafford. He talked about Jared Goff. Honestly, it's kind of a great guy to have on. He's the ultimate best friend. Uh, if you watch Tuesday night when I asked Jimmy Butler who was a better hang, and I asked him whether it was Dwayne Wade or Mark Wahlberg, and then Shaq made fun of me for an hour because he thought I said, who has a better hang? And apparently, who is a better hang is not a question that people... Is this a normal phrase? Uh, I've definitely heard it before. Like, who's a better... Like, who is a better hang? Who's someone that you would rather That's hang what out I with? said. And I, and I said this to Chase Daniel. So you'll see it. This is something I say <laughs> a lot. I said, I guess you're just a great hang, right? I've definitely heard that, yes. All right. So uh, anyway, um, first reaction is I am, as an Eagles fan, happy that they were able to trade Carson Wentz. I was worried that they missed their window about a week and a half ago when it seemed like the Bears and the Colts were interested. The reason I'm happy that they're trading Carson Wentz is twofold. I am a believer in Jalen Hurts that is well documented. And the second part is that I believe that leaders and true faces of the franchise 
don't have off years. And I don't mean in stats. I mean, in terms of leading, I just, the stories that came out about him, the way that he was running to the owners, the way that he wasn't doing the plays. I reached a point where I found that to be untenable for me to handle as a fan that, Oh, you're just going to turn it around when new coaches come in. I didn't see it happening. Second reaction as an Eagles fan. I am preparing myself for a very big year out of Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. Do I think that Carson Wentz stinks at a quarterback? No. I actually think that he can be a really good quarterback in this league. I just thought that as as an Eagles fan, his relationship with this franchise could not continue and it would be bad for the franchise. This is going to suck for at least a year for Eagles fans. This is an offensive line that's one of the best in the NFL with Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack coming back from injury and Naheem Hines with wide receivers and tight ends all over the field with a coach that he had previously in Frank Reich that gave him his best season. Frank Reich was able to dial up an offense that allowed Philip Rivers to succeed, that allowed Jake Jacoby Brissett to succeed. This is a system that Carson Wentz will come in and all of the issues that he had in Philadelphia about leading with ego and not trusting the coaching staff. All of that goes away. Eagles fans, I think this is going to look like a really bad trade this year. I'm telling you that now. But I believe in the long run that this is what needed to happen, and I do think that it will be good. One, because I have more faith in Jalen Hurts than I do Carson Wentz. Because what I just talked about, all that great ecosystem that's been around Carson Wentz, it's relying on a few things. The health of Carson Wentz's knee, which I don't know if you've seen him run the last few years. I don't have that much faith in it. And then also, how long can that perfect ecosystem last? With Frank Reich and GM Chris Ballard at Indianapolis, they have a better chance than almost any franchise. But as soon as that O-line starts to deteriorate and the wide receivers aren't that great, I have fear. But I'm telling you, we're going to look dumb for a year, and then I think we're going to look smart. That's my initial read on this whole situation. A first and a third, and to get rid of that salary, suddenly now, with your starting quarterback, if they don't go with one at the sixth pick in the draft, this is also a team in Philadelphia that shocked us by taking Jalen Hurts in the second round. So this is a team that likes to call themselves a quarterback factory, and if there is a Fields, or if there is one of these guys there at six that maybe they think about, it could get really interesting. Also, because if you get, I don't know, I, I, I purpose, I consciously don't want to think about that. You heard my interview with Jalen Rager. I really do believe in Jalen Hurts, and I'd like to try that out. I believe that having a starting quarterback on your team making $6 million for the next three years, if you want to draft another rookie or bring in a, a, a very cheap veteran, you can suddenly go and fortify the offensive line, get a wide receiver, get rid of Zach Ertz. Zach Ertz, you were incredible. Eagle, I love you. I will cherish your catches forever, but unfortunately, I have to talk about you as an asset, which is not how I want to talk about you, but we're building a team right now. You can go and get some other tight ends. Uh, you can get some more draft picks. You can add on the D-line. Losing Carson Wentz's $35 million a year and now having a starting quarterback making six allows you to completely build out this window. Completely build out this window. And so we are going to learn, and we should. We're recording this on Thursday. We have to see, does the team come forward and go, oh, Hurts is the guy, and we are not taking a quarterback. But 
It's also a valuable trade chip. I could see Howie Roseman. Maybe somebody wants to jump up and get a quarterback. They trade back, get a lot of picks. I'm just doing a brain dump on everything that I'm thinking right now about the Philadelphia Eagles. First and foremost, I'd also like to say this. Carson Wentz, I apologize for being all over you the last year and a half. I know that I was a huge champion of you. I got videos of my phone when you went to the rookie symposium, and I'm asking you, Pats or Geno's? Okay, I was a huge supporter of you. I'm just going to let you know, and and that's the reason I'm apologizing, is as the stories were coming out, I didn't believe them. I defended you. I said Alshon Jeffrey had sour grapes. I said that everybody else was wrong. What happened was, is as it came out that the stories were real, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed that I publicly stood for you because I thought that you were somebody that said, I will take the high road at all times. And when it was revealed to me that you didn't, I was offended. And so that's the reason that I have been so critical of you, Carson Wentz. I think it's important. I would say this to your face. I wish you luck in Indy. I have no doubt that I will be seeing pictures of you and Frank right next to each other when you were with the Eagles, split screen with the Colts, and you're nine and two, and Quentin Nelson is blocking people's faces off, and Jonathan Taylor's jumping over the pile, and you're going like this, and you're saying, I knew I was the guy. I know it's going to happen. And so I wish you luck and early congratulations. To Jalen Hurts, this is it, baby. The time is now. You see it. You've always seen it. We see it. I hope Eagles fans see it. If you're not on the bandwagon now, hop on board. But uh, that's just my initial take. Uh, I, I I wasn't sure that they were going to have leverage, but uh, look, it's it's the first and third pick for the Colts. And that first pick at the end of the first round will likely be at the end of the first round because the Colts are going to have a good year. And so I think it's important to realize that too. It's going to, these are kind of, it's going to end up being a fourth and a second. That's what it's going to seem like instead of a third and a first because of how good the Colts are going to be. That's my initial take. Um, But I I hope this is the beginning of the Jalen Hurts era. If they take another quarterback, we'll evaluate and we will see. Um, But I bid adieu to Carson Wentz and this nonstop drama Um, at the same time. I'm glad he's gone. So that's that's my initial dump. I want to make sure that you took a breath in there at some point. You okay? You're going to pass out? Yeah, I'm very moderate about this. <laughs> okay, I, was, I know. Yeah, It was just a nonstop stream for like four and a half minutes. It was like uh, you were like Colin Cowherd for a second. Yeah. Well, it's because like if I stop, it's not going to be how I really feel. Totally. Then yeah, I'm going to be processing it. So if I just, yeah, if I who wants to be a millionaire at uh, you'll get my honest feedback. Um, well, the number one thing to me about this trade is that whoever is behind the scenes making these decisions was looking at Jalen Hurts as a cornerstone, right? Nick Sirianni or whoever it was. Maybe they also have the sixth pick in the draft. That's the thing. They do, but they felt comfortable moving forward without Carson Wentz as the primary quarterback that they were paying a whole lot of money to. Uh, and they were able to make that trade and they that that to me is as important as anything else about Carson Wentz, that there seems to be a belief that either Jalen Hurts or player X that may or may not be available at pick number six is a better option for the team moving forward. And they obviously have a privy to a lot of information that we as hardcore Eagles fans are not. I am curious. Uh, again, we are recording this uh, just before 1230 on Thursday, uh, the 18th. I'm curious to see what the player tweets reactions are from the Eagles over the next few hours. Um, 
I am curious to see uh, all of the stories come out because what happens when a player leaves is all those reporters that have all those stories that they weren't supposed to tell they finally come out. That's when they come yeah. out. And so I'm curious to see what happens with that. Uh, I, I literally in the Philadelphia Inquirer this morning read an article about the quarterback coach and his connection with Jalen Hurts. The timeliness I find to be very ironic. Uh, but as always, hit me up on social at Adam Lefko if you would like to have intelligent discourse about this move. Uh, to those that do not think that they can, don't worry, you've already been muted. Chase Daniel will now be joining us uh, to talk about what it's like being a perennial backup, not liking being called a perennial backup, and working with guys such as Carson Wentz, Matt Stafford, and of course, the Hall of Famer, Drew Brees. Here is Chase Daniel. I am here with legendary podcaster and interviewer and also a football player, Chase Daniel. Oh, Don't say the S, no Chase. S. Chase Daniel. <laughs> I feel like that has been a talking point with you forever. Oh my gosh. Uh, I mean, since I was born, honestly, like growing up playing peewee football, high school, Daniels, like big jerseys with S on it. I'm like, at the end of the day, there's only one of me, man. There's not, there's not multiple. It's like no S, but I, you just get used to it. My wife hates it. Like she was a Mullen before. So a lot of people would put Mullins on it. Mm. Easy mistake. And then she went to Daniel, Daniel. So it's like, ah, no, no, no bueno over there. Not we good. need to go around to uh, like Josh McDaniels. He needs to drop his S and make yours yeah. more pronounced, I think. I'm all in. I don't think he feels my pain. I really don't. It really, it doesn't, it, it used to bug me quite a bit, but yeah, whatever now. I feel like uh, you would probably be the king of that. I feel like that is the key to being an amazing guy in a quarterback room is you don't get bothered by a lot. It, everything kind of, everything's cool. We're all copacetic. I feel like I've thought I've said this about you before. You have to be the best hang in the NFL where different quarterbacks, all that, they just need to want to kick it with chase. Do you feel that like you have to be the best hang? I do a little bit. I, I feel like, I feel like I am though. I feel like I'm decently cool. I know a lot of people. I've been in the league around a lot. I've seen a lot of stuff. Yeah. I'm pretty just cool, calm, collected, go with the flow. Don't really get mad about things. I mean, what could you, what could you want more? So in a friend, like right. nothing. So yeah, I feel pretty, <laughs> I feel pretty good about my personality right now. Is that something that you think you learned over time or is that just something that's kind of been natural the whole time? I would say that if you ask my wife the question you just asked me, she would say that I'm wound up so tight and <laughs> such type A personality at home of like course. when it comes to kids and, and stuff like that. But I feel like at the football field or at football work, like it's a game first and foremost, like so many people forget about this and it, it's a game, right? So have fun with it and, um, I feel like the best teams I've been on and been a part of these these big playoff runs, you just sort of go with the flow and you you definitely put in the work when it's time to work, but you also laugh and have fun. And I think mm. that that's something I'm really good at. I feel like for you, so I know you had the big run with the Saints. You were under Drew for a while. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Were you on the Chiefs too? Yeah. Yeah. Chiefs, Chiefs for three years. Eagles. No. 
Philly for one. Yes. Back to New Orleans for one. Chicago for two. Detroit. So I'm like, I'm trying to wow. hit, you know, at least half the teams before if, I'm all said and done. Yeah, you need but one of those no, it's, maps it's been, where you can like gold oh the cities. I know we have in. like we have like a map, right? That we need to pin <laughs> where we've been. My and my wife's been just a superstar too. Cause I mean, you think about it's easy for for people that um you know, just see the news. Oh, Chase Daniel signed with so-and-so or something, but you don't really realize like all the work and the effort from the, the wife's perspective, right. Yeah. And the kids, like our kid, uh, I mean, this is crazy. Like we were, uh, we have a, two kids, Preston, who's three and a half years old and uh, Parker, who's uh, my baby girl who just literally just turned one like two days ago, Congrats. but we were talking about Preston and the NFL journey that we've been on. And Preston was, conceived in new jersey so philly he was born in new orleans he's moved from new orleans chicago chicago uh detroit we have a house here in southern california he mm. my family lives in dallas so it's like he's been everywhere so like flying or in travel like he's an angel kid mm. so it's like pretty cool to see like how many like he, we're gonna look back on this one day and be like you know it was a cool journey it was very hectic and stressful yeah like right now like he's at a phase where he's just like wanting everything he thinks everything's his i mean three and a half year old boy it's it's awesome but he's he's great but like we'll look back on this one day and be like that was that was special i can't wait till he goes to college and people are like where are you from and he's like well <laughs> everywhere let me tell you yes there's no I, doubt so i i grew up outside philadelphia um i was raised an eagles fan now i'm i'm all over the place but I will say okay. that I remember when you came to the Eagles, I was excited because I remember reading the story about how you had watched and learned from Drew and the way in which he maps out his day and that you were going to yeah. bring that to Carson. And what I was more amazed at is like for you to be there to Drew and not just marvel at it or just go, okay, it's Drew's team. I'm just going to whatever. What was it like to to see that process and how much did watching Drew change you? Yeah, I mean, coming out of college, like I felt like I was I was really prepared um at the college level. Like I felt like at the top of my game, like I felt like for sure one of the top two or three college players in the game when I came out. And we were pretty good. We we got to number one in the nation in 07. We lost like I was a game away in, from the national championship. I was in Nebraska at that time. So oh, I was covered gosh. in Dominican Sioux yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. So like that whole thing, like we had a great run. So like I felt really prepared, uh, even though like I went undrafted, whatever. Um, some people say there's they have chips on their shoulder. I'm just like, just give me a chance. Like I, it doesn't really matter. You know, like I, I never got into that whole thing. But then when I got so I originally signed with Washington. Jim Zorn was the head coach then. Um, we all remember the Jim Zorn days. Um, but I think that I did decently in um, like training camp and OTAs. I got cut after the last preseason game. A lot of people don't know, like I was in Jim Zorn's office about to sign a practice squad contract uh, to, to be back with Washington as I think the fourth Colt Britton was a third Todd Collins was a second Jason Kimball was a first Man, that was a long mm. time ago. Um, but Sean Payton calls and ch literally changed the trajectory and everything about my career. And the first thing when he called was like, Oh my gosh, like Drew Brees plays for the saints. And I, I had a picture of um, Drew when he was in San Diego in my college, like dorm room. 
because mm-hmm. I was always like, hey, like this is a good, good guy, like cool cat, like that Similar type thing. So size profile to you, like, exactly, totally. yeah, like yeah. short dudes, right? Like can sling it. I'm and, gonna, I wasn't uh, gonna say it. Yeah, left Texas to go to somewhere else to school like he went to purdue he's from austin like i went to missouri from dallas but what was cool was like just getting there and 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 really being with one of your like i wouldn't say like idols but someone you look up to on a playing field like that to me like i'm not gonna lie like the first year i was just like well it was it was mark brunel who is Mm. by the way now my quarterback coach in detroit wow uh and drew Brees in in the room and i was the three so I was the guy to get donuts every Friday, like, you know, the, the do boy. And, um, what was just so cool was like the first year, um, I was just so starstruck, like a little, like, you know, you go about your business and you try not to like act a certain way, but like, I got Drew and I got Mark Brunel and I just, that, that whole year, like I, I didn't say much. I just watched, uh, and just learned so much, like to, to get back to your original question, like, it was just something that like, I thought that I knew a lot, but really knew nothing. And so Mm -hmm. like I was with drew for four years, that one, that time. And then back in 2017, so five years of my 12 year career so far, like I've been with drew in the, in a quarterback room and, and, um, like we're like best friends now. Like he lives right down the road from me here and like our family, like it's cool, but like seeing him, and what he was able to do for those first four years of my career, like I truly think that it like got me to be able to, you know, have a lasting impression on quarterback rooms, be going to my 13th year. Like I took a lot of that. And like you were mentioning, like to Carson or even to Kansas City, like the schedule wise, like I just felt like it was so good. How, how extensive is the schedule? Uh, I mean, it's, it's long, like Wednesdays. And is it Thursdays really like are, every five minutes or 10 minutes, like mapped out to a T? I mean, like pretty much. Yeah. Wow. I mean, like when you're, I, I don't like to call it like schedule because that sounds like it's something that we just have to do. If we don't do it, sometimes I, I like routine, hmm. like we're very routine oriented. So you get into a routine and it's like your buds, right? Like the quarterback room, like you're seeing them more than your wife on any any given like four or five months out of the year so like your best buds with them and you're just in a routine it's like wednesdays and thursdays could be like 15 hour days 16 hour days um you know tuesdays are off days not for quarterbacks like we're in from eight to three now this is a normal year non-covid obviously like we could barely get into the facility this year uh like mondays you're in for monday's probably like the easiest day i mean it's a it's a heavy lift day maybe eight to noon and then get a little bit of a break and then really like, but then the rest of the week, I mean, it's like rolling and that's like 17, 18 weeks in a row, not counting preseason. So it's very, um, I, I like it, but at the end of the year, like I'm just mentally like just worn out. Mm. I, it's interesting because when, when retirement comes for athletes, there's this, I can't wait for freedom, but so many people I talk to, it's this yearning for that structure again. And it's that dichotomy of like, wow, it was so nice when everything was planned out. Uh, and I was talking, uh, I do a lot of basketball stuff too. And like I was talking, so I do a TNT show with Dwayne Wade and Shaq and all that. And Wade was saying that COVID actually made it easier for him because so many of the former players were telling him, dude, you're not going to, you're going to have so much time. You're not going to know what to do. But with COVID, it was like, guess what? You're dad of the year now. And that's all you can do. Yeah. But that that sudden freedom is interesting. Yeah, and and that's something that 
I've thought about like when I am done or when I am retired, like how, how am I going to handle that? And I don't think I'm going to have any issue because um, I, I feel like I'm just so type A personality wise. Like, and I feel like I've been playing um, football since I was like 12. So like 22 years of my life, like when football is done, like it'll be good for me to like have a non-structured life and just have, have it for like the first year or so, like around my kids. But like, I already have things I want to do after football, like, and I just feel like I'm going to have things to do now. Like I'm, I'm part of the NFL player association uh, as, as one of the reps. And that's something, I mean, that's real. Like that's something that we talk about a lot yeah. is like transitioning out of, out of the sport, because like you said, it is so structured. It is 12, 13 hours a day. Like I, I always say, and my wife always loves, like we love like the OTA period of, of the, of the year, which is the organized team activities. It's like April to June, two months, eight weeks. Um, and you really just, you're in there from like eight to one, but so you have something to do, mm. get you out of the house, but you're back home with kids. Like, that's like, that's like awesome. Like, it's cool, you know, but then when it gets a season, like we're, we've just as a family gotten to such a routine that it's just, it's, it's easy but that's that is a big deal and that's what a lot of guys struggle with when they do go to retirement and that's honestly a lot of the reason why like over 50 percent after three or four years out of the league are broke because they don't have anything to do so they're like oh let's mm. go on vacation let's spend money let's do this let's do that um and so and they think it's going to last a lifetime when in reality um the average nfl guy is retired at age 25 Right. So like, they're like, Oh, I made, you know, league minimum for three years, three and a half years, whatever, call it a little over a million bucks. And I mean, when I was now it's like, it'll probably be like 1.5. Well, you got, uh, taxes. First of all, (laughs) if you play in California, you're taking home less than 50%. Right. Um, you have agent fees. Uh, you want to buy your mom a house. Okay. Well that, that gets into it. You want to buy yourself a new car. Well, you're, you're left. Someone's going to pitch you on an investment opportunity that, that you don't realize how many of them don't work out. Yeah. Yes. And, and so all that, all those external factors like play into it. And at the end, you're left with a couple hundred thousand dollars and you think it's going to last you 50 years. No. Mm. Like, so I think that that was my biggest thing, like going to the PA and like helping guys try to transition out of the league was just like, you have to understand like where your finances go. Like when you get a paycheck, say you sign, say you say, say you're, I don't know, any, any NFL athlete, you sign for a $10 million signing bonus, which is hefty. Yeah. Well, you're, you're going to see like three and a half, four million of that all said and done. So it's really not 10. It's like mm. three and a half, four, which is still a lot of money. I'm just saying like, of from a from a whole perspective standpoint, like but nobody's looking at it like that. They see the ten and they go, "He's good. He's got the 10. And it's like, "Well, no, guess what? The agent has yes. taken the percentage out of the ten. He's not taking it out of the three and a half out of taxes and all that. But there's no doubt. And so a lot of that's just uh, such a misconception. Um, I know. So what's interesting is, so you were was Dan was Dan Campbell there in New Orleans when you were down there? I was teammates with him. And now he's going to be your head coach. So you have Mark Brunel yes. as your quarterback coach, who was in your quarterback room, and you were teammates with Dan Campbell yes. as your coach. So you're going to get you're going to get this a lot next year from the media. I can't wait. You know, having Chase, it's kind of like having an extra coach in the oh, locker room. Yeah, yeah that'll yeah. be fun. That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah, that's 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 sort of been my story of the year. But hey, I can play a little bit too sometimes. So like, don't don't yeah. leave that out a little bit too. But yeah, no, there's no doubt. And and quite honestly, like with a young quarterback. Um, and Jared's 
you know, Goff's not young, but like, I'll, I'm sure I'll, uh, and I'm willing to help if he wants help. If he doesn't, then I'll stay in my lane. But like what I sort of enjoyed this year was um, playing with a peer and Matthew mm-hmm. Stafford, like first time other than like Drew that I've played with a peer. I've always been with, you know, younger guys or last year's like Mitch Trubisky or, or Carson Wentz. And there, there's nothing wrong with that, but it was cool to like play with a guy who's from Dallas, who we grew up watching each other um, play baseball and football. Um, like, like it was cool. Yeah. So that's interesting. It's like, I want to hang out with people my own age and it's not that you don't like, it's just the part, but you can relate so much more to people that are your age. Yeah, there's no doubt. And so you and had what, fun with Matt. You guys had a great year together. Yeah. Oh, Matthew's great, man. Like yeah. he's, he's, uh, he's awesome. Like great teammate. Like you couldn't ask for a better guy leading the team. Like he's going to do, he's going to do great things up in LA for sure. That's what I'm excited for him. Not in that, like, to, I think the, the unfortunate thing that people do in sports is you can't celebrate where you're going. You also have to talk poorly on where you're coming from, which I don't think is necessary, but for Matt, I'm excited just because you yourself, you've been able to see different locker rooms and see different styles where Matt has stayed in one place and watched everything around him change three or four times. So I'm excited for him to walk into a new place with a new energy um, because you know what that renewed sense of spirit's going to be like. And now he gets a taste of that. Yeah. And he didn't, you know, he's been around, you know, just as long as I have, but like you said, like one place, right. So that's, that's always difficult. And to, I mean, he, he took that franchise and a couple playoff years and no playoff win, but like, it's, it's, it's a hard, it's, it's hard. Right. And like, you feel for the guy and you want him to be a winner exactly. and, and not saying that Detroit's never going to be a winner. Cause we will. And I think that we have a little bit of ways to go, but I think we're on the right track, honestly, with a love, the new hire mm. GM's front office. I mean, we're just, we're building, building something special there, but with Matthew, like, I feel like in LA, it's sort of a one or two year window that they've got this crazy defense, this offense, yeah. and not to say you know Jerry Goff can do it. They went in another way, but like I, I'm, I'm super pumped to watch Matthew like play. Like it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I think it's, um, it's having been like so. I've been at Bleacher Report for like eight years, and you see it change so many times. And there's always this thing in the back of your head where you're like. It's just not like the way it used to be. But when you go somewhere new, there is no used to be. It's all fresh. And so um, I feel like you've, you've, it sounds like you've almost mastered that where you can be a chameleon to the environment. You got a young guy that needs some, some mentoring. I got that. You need an older guy that just needs someone to support him. Um, And I think that how, how much have you been able to do just by checking your ego? Cause I bet you that's a hard thing for a lot of people in pro sports. Yeah. Like, I, like I'd be crazy if I didn't say that, like, I, I, I don't, I don't play this game like just to just play it. Right. Like I want to, I want to play. Yeah. Like I, I don't just play it just to like sit there and like, you know, it's part, it's part of my job. Right. Like, but if, if, and I always tell people this all the time and it's true. Like if I ever get to a point where I'm just, sitting here not putting my best foot forward not truly trying to to play and be the best player i can be then then i should get out and i should retire right like mm. that's just how i am like um yeah it's nice like my brain's healthy my body's healthy I'm 34 like it's good but like at the end of the day like the goal is still to to play and i haven't had many opportunities when i have i felt like i played well and i think that's why i stuck around but it is like there's different 
I, I feel like I'm very uh, like aware of different personalities and how interaction goes and team mm. goes and how everyone's sort of responds differently to leadership or to talking. And the, in a fact that you said, like, it's sort of like a chameleon, like you got to be able to change. And I felt like it's made me more of a complete person, not just like, Hey, I've been with Drew Brees for 12 years. And I just know exactly right. what he, what he wants as a backup. Like I've been multiple places, young, old, same age. Um, and so I think I've, I've, I've seen a lot. And I think the experience is, is, is awesome too. How much did it suck to not have preseason for people that are in your situation where it's like, man, I want those reps and I want to get out there. Yeah. I mean, listen, <clears throat> it wasn't, it wasn't the best situation right this year, just because I, we do enjoy like the, not only like take it, take it better like myself. Like I, I don't necessarily need preseason to, to get ready, Yeah, but take, take like, me 12 years ago when I'm in Washington trying to fight for a roster spot, not only on Washington's team, but 31 other teams because trying the tape doesn't lie and the tape. tape will get yeah. you these jobs. There's no doubt, right? Like that's, that is a hundred percent true. Like, and I tell guys that all the time and guys understand, like when you're playing in the preseason, there's a really good chance you're not playing for the team mm. that you're playing for. You're putting yourself on tape for 31 other teams um, during cutdown day. And people get that and understand that. So that's what I sort of felt for. And that was a hard decision. Like when we were talking about it with um, the NFLPA, it was like, hey, like, what do you guys think? Do we want one or two preseasons? And the, the misc or the risk just far outweighed the reward on trying yeah. to play this year. Um, but it is, it's tough. It's tough on those guys because. I felt like a lot of undrafted rookies that maybe may have run down on kickoff and made two or three tackles in a game and made that last 52nd spot or 50th spot or 51st spot, whatever it is, like they didn't get a chance to do that this year. So is, is there and, a chance, especially that with the ramp up period, I was going to say, is there a chance that like the 2020 year is going to be a lost year for all of these undrafted free agents and, and almost cause everyone's going to be moving on to the next class I, yeah. it's like that weird pocket. I feel bad for those guys. There's no doubt. And that's something that we, we talked about too, is that like, and, and even now, like it's just the tryout process is not the same. The, the combine's not the same. And, and hopefully a year or two down the road, it'll be, but it's, it's a very difficult time for evaluators on NFL teams and, and clubs to like get in there and actually like do the due diligence that they need to find that undrafted guy who can play in the league for 10 or 12 years mm. that respect receiver or that special teams guy that how many how many receivers have you seen like down the road like Antonio Brown takers he started his career special a lot of people understand he started his career special teams running down kickoff and returning kickoffs Tyreek Hill what he could do yes yes and they saw what he could do with the ball in his hand and said oh <laughs> wow something you can't see in practice something you can't see in preseason game something just clicks if the guy's a gamer the guy's got something like I take Antonio Brown all the time like the dude probably during his prime, like one of the better, if not best in the game. Right. Yeah. And still is rolling now to this day, but like he started like running down on kickoff mm. and his, there was no pride factor. A lot of, a lot of people now, a lot of, a lot of like younger guys and rookies and first year guys, there's a pride problem. Like, I don't want to go on. I want to, mm. I just want to be out there with, you know, at X or Z receiver running with the ones like, no, like you got to earn your stripes a little bit. So I felt like the preseason this year didn't allow that to happen. Mm -hmm. That's why you saw much more veteran um, type squad around the league. Sure. Now I do think with the salary cap hovering 175, 185, 
a lot of the middle-class veterans, it's going to be just completely gone. And you're going to see an influx now of not only this year's undrafted rookie free agents, but like low salary guys getting in and that's going to be the younger guys. So I think, I think you'll sort of make it up on that aspect, but you definitely are going to lose the back end of the veteran market. So you, you played for Sean, who notoriously is a great hang. Like everyone that I talk to that knows Sean Payton is like, that guy's a party like all the time. You went with Andy, who I've never heard anyone say anything bad about. And you, you've been with Patricia was a very intense coach. Um, mm-hmm. is, there, is there a favorite style? Is, is it like if you're with like an Andy or you're Sean, do you just kind of look and go, why isn't every coach this way? Or are they just that gifted that that's why they're so good? When, when I'm with an Andy or a Sean, like I was, like I feel like coaches that are successful need to be like that. And every coach is different and has their things, but like just spending um, eight years of my career with either Andy or Sean, like just seeing not only how they demand respect in a way that is not off-putting, but you respect the way they demand respect, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, But also like how great of a leader of men they are and how they talk to their team and how they know exactly like the X's and O's every, I feel like every coach, it's every coach. If you're in that position, like, you know, the X's and O's, right. So, but I feel like what separates them is just like, and you hear all the time leadership qualities, but like, it's sort of all encompassing. It's very difficult to pinpoint like Pete Carroll take, for instance, like I've heard nothing bad about him and he, he would be in that category, right? Like have fun, but like also like no one, it's time to work. Um, know when it's time to, to get stuff done. Um, and also just like, it, it's, it's impressive. I think it's, so I do not have kids. You have two, but the one lesson that I've always taken is they will mimic what you do, not what you say. And I feel like as a coach, it's like that, but you have 70 kids and, and it's very easy to go up there and win the press conference. And it's very easy to go up there and demand things. But if you're not doing it, what you're preaching, I feel like that's always the disconnect with coaches in the NFL. And you can usually figure out in the second year because it's like, oh, you're giving us this speech again, but you weren't doing that shit. Yeah. Well, I would say, I would say you can find out if you're really in tune to what you just said, I would say within the first month, you can find out that because like you're not in what you're getting to is like authenticity, right? Like that is a great quality. Like, and I, I've always said like Andy Reid, Sean Payton, they are authentic. They are themselves, whether you like it or not, they're going to shoot you straight up. There's no beating around the bush. And, and guys, although they might not know it at this time, that they might not like what they're hearing, but they can respect it. When you get a guy that's not authentic and there's been plenty of coaches, right? Like maybe that's not why it worked out, whatever. I, I don't feel like the trust factor is there. And, and I felt like when you do get authentic coaches who are themselves, you just respect the heck out of them. And, and they just, they tend to, to become players coaches yeah. and they tend to get more respect because even though like your first team meeting, you know, you have 90 guys there, they might not like the way that this first team meeting came off, but if he's consistent with his approach and he's authentic and he doesn't change, he's the same 
person every single day, like you begin to get a respect factor of that. And I think that's what makes really good head coaches. Honestly, like just be yourself. That's what's funny is whenever I hear a player talk about a coach, like I was talking to somebody about Ron Rivera, Shaq Thomas about Ron Rivera. And he was like, he's like, you know what? That's just Ron. And I feel like that's the, that's just Sean. That's just Andy. Yeah. You just describe them with their name. Um, yeah. So you're in this journey. Is this the upcoming will be year 13? Year 13. Yeah. Yeah. How, how does it feel to say that, man? Uh, I mean, I remember when I was trying to get to double digits when I was like seven or eight, you know, and, and um, I just keep adding them and I keep, I still have that like burning fire to play. Like I love the game. Like I really just love the game, everything that goes with it, the preparation, um, the game day atmosphere, everything like that. Like, I think it was just like something that's like never in my wildest dreams that I think that I'd be, that I'd be, you know, 13 years in. Um, and with no end in sight, like, I, I feel like I can still play really well. I feel like my body's as good as, as it is. I feel like we've got a good routine with our kids and with my wife. Do you, and do you, you eat so, meat, right? Like you're not a vegetarian. Right. Okay. No, I don't eat avocado ice cream like Tom Brady. Sorry. Okay. So you'd be that. down to maybe nibble on a kneecap. Yeah. Yes. So that's, that's all. I loved it. Actually, dude, I, I thought it was lot. hilarious. I loved it. I was fired up and I'm like, the dude is like on one, like his hour introduction or whatever he did on, it could be one of the best press conference intro press conferences of all time of a head coach. And the thing is, is knowing him as a player and he was a tight ends coach when I was back in 2017, he is authentic. That is him like mm-hmm. leader of men type style. Uh, and the staff he's built around him is just I- insane, right? Like it's it's amazing. You guys got um, but, Deuce Staley, like that's my yeah. guy. Yeah, and yeah, you got like um, FIP, I think the special teams coordinator. Yeah, Dave FIP. I was with I was with both of those guys in Philly, so like yeah. I was with them, and I was Aaron Glenn, and you know we got Anthony Lynn coming over. Like right. he's building an all star staff, so it's um, it's just a matter of time before we surprise some people. I feel like you really can learn a lot about a coach based on who agrees to join his staff. Yeah. Like, is this guy going to be fun to work with first and foremost? Yes. And what kind of schedule does he keep? Secondly, because that's, I mean, you know, everyone knows coach schedule. It's, it's crazy. Like, that's why I feel like I could never get into coaching. Like, I feel like I've given so much of my life to football on a player's aspect. Like, I, I just see the hours they keep during season. No, thank you. But yeah, I mean, the, the fact that he was able to lure some of these guys to Detroit, um, you know, when we, I think we won four or five games, it's, it's impressive. Like it, it is, it truly is. It was interesting to watch people like say it wasn't a great presser and I'm sitting there going, all you guys want is people to speak the truth. And then when they do, and they're just like a little bit intense because they're a football coach. So it's like, it's like, they're not all going to be Sean McVay. All right. It, it's, they're yeah. not always going to be that analytical. Um, yeah. And it's not always a bad thing. I, I, I really enjoyed it. I loved it. I hate nothing more. I hate nothing more than when like head coaches get up there for the first time or GMs. And there may have been a few this year, but that they go up and they have either notes on their phone or they have notes on a printed sheet of paper and they read from it and then ask questions. And I'm like, if I'm a player on that team, I'm like, yeah, that's just so buttoned up. Like, mm. are you going to talk to me like that? Like in team meetings, or are you just going to be like, dude, you just got the job. Like go speak from the heart. That's like, what I got nervous so, like, about with my Eagles coach. Yes. Yeah. Well, 
I mean, I, I get that. I mean, I, you know, but at the same time, like it's Philly, like you say something wrong there, like you're yeah. going to be fighting it your entire time. So like he took the safe route there. Like yes. I played in Philly. Like I get it. Like I can respect that. Like that's a whole, that's a whole nother podcast interview. Is it, is for, it really that, cra- is it that much crazier there? It, I mean, for me, yeah. Like in a good way though, like passionate, but like they really care. So if you say something idiotic or dumb or stupid, like you're mm. never going to live it down. Like they Where in Detroit, everything. it goes on like the Detroit Lions website and it's net gotcha. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like in, in, in Philly, it's like they, they are just so passionate and they care so much that sometimes they can be. Yeah a little crazy about it and how they act about it. You know, like, I mean, you, you grew up there, you know, like, right. Yeah. But I can, I can appreciate the passion. So like, but I think, it, I think Nick took the, I think he really took the safe route. I get Philly. it. I, but like, so to, you don't say something off the cuff to what you said though. That's why authenticity is so valuable because if you are authentic, you don't have to worry about slipping up because you're always just going to be yourself. Anyway, there is yeah. no guard. Yeah. There's no doubt. And there's no guard down. And I think that's why some of these guys um, interview so well with some of these owners and these team presidents, because I think more and more people are just wanting someone. I mean, the X's and O's, like I said, they got to be there, but like, just be authentic, be yourself. And the first and foremost you need is like, you need a leader of men Mm. and you need somebody that can rally the troops around you when stuff's bad. Cause it's not all great. Nope. You know, there's probably going to be more, more bad than great at some point. There's always going to be some type of stressful situation. There's always going to be something to overcome. And how, how are you going to act? Like, that's how I always, you know, tr- tell my kid, like my youngest kid is like, how are you going to act? Like when something goes wrong, like, I know you're going to act great when something goes right. But like, if I don't give you that, you know, that sucker that yeah. you, that I promise you, like, are you going to freak out? Or are you going to be like, Hey, all right. Like, I know, you know, like stuff like that. Like, it's just, I find that as a really good quality. I feel like all these, all these people are looking for, for that type of quality. Like when, when stuff hits the fan, like, how are you going to act? I believe the phrase is when shit hits the fan, are you still a fan? Um, I'll wrap it up here. Chase, it's been great to talk to you. My one wish for you is this, as everybody starts asking you, Hey, you're going to be able to mentor Jared and all that stuff. Just know that I'm here going, it's going to be a battle. And that when it gets to camp, this is right. an opportunity because, because that's really like, I think with somebody like Matt or somebody like Drew, it's implied. I'm yeah. telling you that the Left Go Show and Bleacher Report wants it to be a battle at camp. And I'm excited for it. I'm pulling for it. you. I love even it. Though, I even though it, I kind of look like Jared Guff, that is, I'm told that's my doppelganger. I was going to say that, but I didn't want to offend you. I think Jared Goff's a pretty good looking guy. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. So I'll well, take the compliment. Yeah. So we go. could actually practice right now. Do you want to practice like welcoming me out, to man. the let's team? Throw, let's throw some routes. Let's go. Okay. Hey, it. Chase, it's really nice to meet you, man. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> thanks, hey, bro. Jared. Thanks so much. <laughs> Good talking to you, bro. Have a great day, All man. Right. All right. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, dude. Thank you again to Chase. Uh, and of course, as we're recording this, more information is coming out. Wentz is the biggest cap hit ever. So all of my talk earlier about how that money can be spent, Eagles are taking on $33.8 million just to trade Carson Wentz. So 
Uh, a lot of that salary cap hit that they're taking this year will not be able to be used. It will likely be in the year after. Uh, but to take on th- nearly $34 million and to get likely what is a second and fourth round pick, do not, do not listen to their words, look at their actions. And that is what, that's where the Eagles were with Carson Wentz is that they'll take likely a second and fourth and eat 34 million to move on from him. And so that's where they are. Um, I, I don't think that there was a real market for Carson Wentz. I don't think the Bears were that interested. Uh, I was surprised at the notion that the Eagles were worried that Carson Wentz wouldn't want to go there. Um, but the Eagles are trailblazers, eating $34 million, setting the tone. Uh, not, not great, uh, but that's what, that's what it causes to pivot. That is the cost of changing the direction of a large and fast-moving object. And I think that's a perfect transition to warn you guys that there is a transition, a pivot about to happen with the fast-moving Lefko show. I'm not going to give you any more explanation. But on Monday, in addition to a drunk interview with Emmett Smith and yo, yes, <laughs> three to four shots were consumed and I was drunk the rest of the day. And so was Emmett. There's something happening in the waters of the Left Coast show. Stay tuned. That hourglass is already ticking. I'll explain why on Monday or Tuesday of next week, whenever we release these pods for David Ingber. Far be it from me to tell anyone on Twitter what they should and shouldn't make a joke about, but just please have some compassion before you make fun of people in Texas that might be freezing right now with no power. Just show a little bit of love. There are people on both sides of the aisle, families, people on every end of the political spectrum who are suffering right now. Please do whatever you can to help them. And I would I would echo that, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, I would echo it with this. When coronavirus first started, COVID-19, the entire country looked at New York as though it was a problem. Uh And they said, that's a New York thing. Within months, it was all of us. And so just because you are in a spot right now, let's say you're not in Texas and you're not feeling that and you're looking at your local government and you're like, my state wouldn't fail me if snow happened and we're making all these jokes. It sure does seem like we're reaching a time where if you're going to take any joy in other people's pain, that karma has been coming quick. And so I think we're reaching a time where none of us are safe. All of our infrastructure is faulty. There's been a whole lot of governments in all the different states and nations that are showing us very easily that they're very quick to let us down when we need them most. And so I I echo Ingber's thoughts. If you are listening to this in Texas, uh, slide to our DMs. Uh, at Lefko Show, at Adam Lefko. If Man, if you really need help, we will try our best to find a way to make it happen. Uh, but I got a lot of friends down there in the Austin area. Uh, some of them are ready for it. Some of them aren't. And it's, uh, it's a scary time. So thank you for bringing that up. Ingber, you are the man. And a pivot is coming next week. We'll see you later. Bye.